Hello, I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Join me for this revolutionary interview with sexologist Anna Lindfors as we discuss biohacking your libido, pleasure, and sexuality. This entire episode is completely dedicated to the topic of sex. Anna is a biohacking sexologist specializing in sexological therapy and trauma. Her passion is to promote sexual health as a part of holistic well-being and bring back pleasure to all areas of life. In this episode, Anna and I discuss so many things, including how to take back your sexual power, what biohacks improve our sexuality and sexual health, if semen retention is beneficial, what is intravaginal red light therapy, and the best biohacks for sexual health. I know you're so excited to dive in, so let's go to the show. Hello, Anna. How are you today? Hi, Dara. I'm okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Ah, thank you for being here. I'm so excited. I was just telling Anna how excited I am to dedicate a full interview to this topic because it is such a grand topic to talk about. And who knows what we can fit into this just one hour because I'm sure there is an extensive amount of information and it's just going to be really cool to yeah focus on this particular topic. So thank you for being here. You are going to blow our minds. I am 100% sure of that. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what yeah. we're going to cover. Um, awesome. Yeah, see where our discussions go. Yes, me too. So I want to just begin by asking you about your own journey And what you do is so incredibly particular, so incredibly focused, sexology. So what brought you to become a sexologist and dive into the realm of sexology? um, I feel like all sexologists have a story behind them. And I could spend this entire hour just talking about my journey. Um, But just to put it briefly... um, I don't know, I guess I could start from high school just to explain this quickly um, because I remember being in high school and we all know high school. Relationships in high school are not the healthiest um, or sexual experiences. And I just I just saw and experienced a lot of toxic behavior um, back in the days. And then um, I specialized in health sciences and we had to do like this final year research project or something like that and everybody else wanted to study alcohol or drugs or tobacco and I was like huh what do I want to know and I was like well I want to know how our sexual experiences impact our self-esteem and the teacher was like Anna (laughs) are are you sure like this is pretty brave and I was like what what it's 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 normal it's natural and she was super encouraging and I did it and and we found out that yes your sexual experiences really do impact your self-esteem and at the time there wasn't a lot of information out there 
So I said as a joke to my friend, you know, I'm going to become a sexologist one day and like, this is what I'll, what I'll do. Um, and then I ended up studying psychology and um, therapy in Scotland and continued then postgrad in, in clinical sexology, um, which then, then led me here. But I could then expand on my personal journey that I was diagnosed with endometriosis at the age of 20, which was, you know, endometriosis is one of the most painful conditions in the, in the world. But I think we don't really understand how painful it is emotionally and, and how it kind of impacts your sense of womanhood and, and things like that. And I could expand um, a lot further, but, but really to go through the process of feeling disconnected from myself and then reconnecting with myself and biohacking my endo into remission, um, it, it has been such a um, rewarding journey, challenging at times, but I've really, I feel like I've understood the importance of, of being in my body and being in myself. And, and that's what I want to share mm-hmm. with the world. Wow. That's incredible. So yes, maybe expand a little bit on endometriosis because there might be people out there who aren't familiar with that. So, so what is endometriosis? So endometriosis is a medical condition in which the lining of a uterus spreads outside the uterus, um, which then leads to nausea, pain, a lot of pain. Basically, the tissue acts as your uterine lining and then follows your um, period cycle. So at uh, times it can be very, very painful and, and um, can also cause sexual challenges and, and you know, different, different symptoms. So it's definitely a, a very, how do you say, holistic illness so Mm -hmm. to speak yeah and how did that impact your relationship to sexuality was that something that changed perspectives for you when it came to your own sexuality do you feel like um well for myself I would say that not necessarily the diagnosis in itself I I, you know, I took it in and it, in many ways, the diagnosis itself was a relief because I had this pain, um, un, unexplained pain for years. And I kind of was like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm going to deal with it. But then the treatment and the hormonal treatments, um, you know, being on synthetic hormones, that was a major challenge and how it impacted, you know, my libido and just my, my being and how connected I felt with myself. So it was more, I would say that the treatments that then kind of impacted my sense of self um, and my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And then it was through, you know, biohacking and reconnecting with myself that then I kind of, uh, I don't know, I just, you know, it's because sexuality, it's, it's our inner power. It's our core, you know, it's, uh, it's a vibrance within us all. Um, and now that I've, I found myself, found my way back to it, it's like I embrace it daily and, and really celebrate it. I want to go deeper into that because I think that's something really powerful for us to hear, especially as women. Mm. The idea that your sexuality is so such an important part of you and that it is your inner vibrance and that it is your core and that it is your inner strength for a lot of people that's a foreign concept mm-hmm. maybe you can illustrate why that might be I mean 
we live in a very disconnected world, a very disconnected culture. Um, especially a lot of women feel disconnected from their sexuality and that their sexuality is not for themselves, but for some other people, some unexplained other people and their appearance. You know, this podcast is by Hacker Beauty. It's, it's that your beauty exists for, for someone else and that you are an object and your, your job is to please. Um, so then if you turned it around, then you enjoying yourself. And like you looking in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I am sexy. I am powerful. I am sensual. In, in this world, that is shameful. Mm. But in essence, it's not. Mm. It's your natural state. It's, it's who you're supposed to be. But who benefits from you keeping yourself small? Who benefits from you being disconnected? Who benefits from you not being in your pleasure? Not being in your power? I think that's the question. Mm. Do you feel like there is a common answer to that question for everybody? So there might be people or powers that benefit from you playing small, but it's not you. Mm. Ooh, that is a tough question. And I feel like um, it could take us on a whole other journey. Um, <laughs> in, in some ways, I, I think the answer is individual. Mm. Because in many ways, we give our power away. Not only in terms of sexuality, sexuality but also our health mm. you know we, we we trust our health into health professionals and and our education in the hands of professionals so in many ways we are taught to give our power away um and i think it's up to all of us to then reflect on um individually and as a society um how we want to function and and how we thrive as a society not only survive but but how because to me the answer is to reconnect mm. with ourselves our pleasure our sexuality our core and with each other beautiful do you believe that there was a time maybe long ago when women were able to connect to their sexuality and when they were trusting of their bodies again this is a it, it's a complex question yeah. because there have been times when a womanhood has been celebrated especially in in tribal times and in in tribes womanhood is still celebrated and you know the female cycle and it's this aspect of sisterhood but then in the modern times women's sexuality has been heavily shamed, heavily shamed, restricted. You know, our beloved Freud claimed that masturbation was the reason for many, you know, mental disorders. It, it, you know, it goes to that level and you think like, wow. Or Freud saying that only vaginal orgasms are for adult women. All other orgasms are... Um, less valuable or for little girls so to speak you know so 
So just not appreciating womanhood as a whole, women's bodies and women's pleasure. Mm. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, he is so revered in our culture, psychology, mm. right? Clinical psychology. And also, and we don't have to go into this because this is also a big conversation, but religion as well, right? The idea mm. of shame and the body being shameful and sinful and bodily fluids being, you know, uh, mm. a biohazard, right? There's so many concepts that are so ingrained in our culture and our uh, Christian and religious culture. Mm. So we have a lot of healing that we're doing, even as individuals, just pulling these programs and trying to transform them. It's so deep. It's so deep. It goes into our uh, ancestry. And I think also the trauma that we as women carry as well, right? Like the burning of the witches and all of that. So there's so many things. I actually was thinking about this recently because uh, the separation we have from nature I really believe it's tied to the suppression and the restriction of women because women originally were the healers. They were the ones who were in charge of the healing and all women were healers, right? Because they had to know how to heal their own children. And the men were doing the, the hunting and all of that. And the women were taking care of the families as a community. And then they were constantly in tune with nature. They were sourcing, they were inter interacting with animals, right? And this was what made you a witch, right? When, when that witch exactly. hunt came about, it was the connection with nature. It was talking to animals. It was healing with herbs. It was all of these um, rituals, right? And so the restriction happened and the cutting us from nature, it was like the umbilical cord was cut and separating us from nature. And now we see all of the results and the consequences of that separation. And I think what we're talking about today is it's the separation from nature, but also the separation from ourselves, right? That disconnect that you talk about, the disconnect from the body, giving away the body. Whenever you feel any kind of discomfort, you don't even think about asking your body, what do you need? What do you want? What are you desiring? you immediately go to somebody who is trained and you ask them what's wrong with me, right? So it's such a different way of living and it goes back so far. There's so much, almost so much work to do. If you think about the time that we've been doing this, it's so long. Exactly. I just want to highlight that I'm not demonizing healthcare professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we yes. all have our place and, yes. um, you know, we need help, but it's just this aspect of, um, working with clients in supporting their autonomy and, and for individuals to learn to reconnect and trust your body instead of looking to doctors or mm. whatever professionals as the authority. Mm -hmm. I think that that was the kind of um, claim I made, which is just to clarify this to the listeners, <laughs> not demonizing healthcare. Yes, yes, absolutely. So why is sex and pleasure so important. We talk about it being your essence and your um, vibrance, but why is it really important? Why are sex and pleasure uh, such a powerful thing? Mm. Um, this is a question I could go really deep into <laughs> or kind of cover it, uh, but I feel like sex is in general and, and sexuality, but um, if you look at sex and sexuality, 
pleasure what's the function of it you go back to evolution it's you know um reproduction and and you know our genes want to reproduce and that's a bit of the cold way of of looking at it but really sex is about enacting our sexuality it's about connecting it's about creating intimacy pleasure it's so much more than just sexual pleasure pleasure is a way of living your life how you carry yourself how you eat your food how you take your shower how you go for a walk do you skip your meals to perform and to add one more meeting to your day it's it's about how you live your life but but really as i said before sexuality is our is our inner power mm. it's our strength and it's it's a vibrance within and it's um oh if i take this a bit away from the question but especially if we're talking about women and like why is sexuality important we often come across anger and healthy anger and a lot of us women are disconnected from that because we have learned to keep ourselves small to people please and um and act in ways that you know we don't irritate anyone and, and things like that and then we bottle things up and then the anger anger can kind of um come out in in toxic ways but i feel like what i've noticed in myself and in my clients is when we reconnect with ourselves and we give us the space to explore our sexuality but also to explore our anger and like really i mean go into the forest and and scream and process and let it out and and as you talked about the kind of transgenerational trauma to allow space for that pain um and to process it is powerful it can be scary it is scary but that's what i mean that that's why sexuality matters because it is the essence of who we are but right now we are not connected to it so it doesn't seem that important mm-hmm. but when you do you understand whoa like imagine your life without pleasure without relation without having any affection towards another human being what like what would we be robots <laughs> yeah <Would not laughs> relationships <be> <laughs> sounds I mean, horrible yeah. relationships are you know can be challenging and triggering but there's so much um learning to do and growth to do and things to share and experience so like what would our lives be mm. without sexuality without sex without relationships mm. mm-hmm Yeah, I don't want that. That doesn't sound fun to me at all. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> no, I'm I'm liking it this way. <laughs> yeah. So, when you say reconnect with ourselves, how do we do that? How do we reconnect with ourselves? Hmm. Well, there are many ways and it also the approach depends on how you are disconnected. And so maybe we talk about that a little bit before reconnecting, but because right now we live in a world where up to 40% of women have sexual dysfunction and up to 60% of men have some kind of sexual dysfunction so for women most common it's difficulty having an orgasm i mean pain during sex is up to 75% and nobody nobody talks about that or difficulty in arousal or low libido is up to 
you know, so we're disconnected in, in different ways. But what I see is that we all have trauma. We all have sexual trauma. Um, and it, it might sound harsh to say or, you know, like people might think like, oh, I'm not, I'm not traumatized. I, you know, I haven't experienced violence. But, but really, it's the culture around sex that we have that contributes to trauma. It's a culture that makes sex such a sensitive topic than even one look, one word can create trauma. We all have insecurities. We all have this need for external validation um, because it, it is such a taboo. And we don't really have, you know, comprehensive sex ed in schools. Imagine if we talked about pleasure, communication in relationships, you know, um, things like that. Imagine how the way people create a relationship would change. Mm. Um, so really, I think the key to reconnecting is understanding that the entire world is disconnected. Mm. And we all have trauma. And pausing to then reflect on that, ref to reflect on an individual level. Okay. How was my childhood? How is my relationship with my parents? How is my attachment? How do I form relationships? How do I build a relationship with myself? And in that, journaling is an amazing tool. Mm -hmm. To sit down, write, whatever comes to mind. You can do it even in a more structured way, but just daily. Just write things down. Um, give yourself space. Meditation is an amazing tool. Um, but really, one key somatic way to reconnect with yourself is to learn how to regulate your nervous system, how to tap into your body, you know, breath work, cold therapy, sauna, you know, all these biohacks that we all do that people don't really connect with sexuality and sexual pleasure. Um, things like that, but it really is about your ability to be present with yourself mm. and others. And then when you have that balance, learn how to communicate. Mm. You know, if we think, um, oh, like she's a great communicator or he's amazing at this and whatnot, but none of us are born great communicators. We all have to learn and we all learn in our childhoods. And often because of transgenerational trauma, the, the methods for communication are often not ideal. So then in adult relationships, we have different ways of communicating. And then we have to learn with each other how to communicate in a way that we can understand one another. And um, but also sexually, you know, I don't think um, communication is highlighted enough when it comes to sex and creating a safe space around sex. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's all part of reconnecting with oneself and, and, and others. Um, but lastly, I would say reconnecting with yourself, um, self-pleasure. Mm. It's not spoken about enough, but really to cultivate pleasure in your body 
by yourself, with yourself, um, in a loving and kind way. You know, dance in front of the mirror and be like, hey, I look good. I'm amazing. I'm I'm talented. I'm brilliant. And I'm a sensual being, you know, and, and celebrate yourself in, in all possible ways. And it's how you open your senses, how you drink that fat coffee in the morning. Mm. Do you drink it in a rush? It's just like, okay, I'm going to get to my meetings and do that. Or do you take time to you enjoy it? Mm. You know? Do you act from love or do you act for love? I think that's the question to ask daily. And and from love takes you to back to yourself. Mm, so powerful. It's so incredibly empowering, but for a lot of us challenging to be, mm. I always think about, you know, when we have that trauma in our bodies or that sexual trauma, we don't want to be in our bodies. We don't want to feel because it feels uncomfortable and it feels wrong, right? Shameful. So then we start living in our head, you know, you living your mind. And so then you're so used to living your mind that you're just constantly there. You're never really in your body, right? So you do everything in a rush and you do everything um, on your checklist, but taking that time and savoring and, and sen sensing, right? It mm. feels uh, so new for us when we haven't done it in so long. It almost feels like we're doing something wrong and productivity is very celebrated too, right? So yeah. I think reframing, thinking of that joy and that pleasure and, and sensuality as something that is productive, it's it's a good thing. It's, you know, exactly. uh, empowering you. And, and also I think it has a bigger impact. So maybe we can kind of touch on that as well. Like, when you transform your sexuality, when you start to really feel incredible um, in that area of your life, do you believe that other areas of your life are impacted as well? Yes, yes, it definitely. Um, because sexuality is our core. So then when we connect with our core, it shows in, in all, all possible ways, like how you feel good and confident in your career and in your relationships and even exercising and how you handle stress and, and sleep, you know, it's, it's in all possible ways, but it really is about empowering oneself. Mm. We talked a little bit, or you, you talked a little bit about libido and mm -hmm. what are some ways that people can begin to improve their libido and this rediscover that desire to have sex to be in tune with themselves because for a lot of people the idea of even spending time with yourself is one thing but to actually mm -hmm. pleasure yourself self-pleasure there might not even be that desire to do so right so what are some ways that people can get into that feeling of wanting to do that mm. well when it comes to libido I would start with hormones mm. optimizing hormonal balance because ooh, boy our hormones are are out of balance and there's there's a lot of imbalance because of our environment and the synthetic hormones that we take as birth control um, and things like that not only for women for, for men too um, it really is um, 
not really spoken about, but it is it is concerning. But definitely start with hormones. Measure your hormones, and then when you know, you know your hormone levels. Um, and often people think about sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, but cortisol plays a key role. So yes, and chronic stress is a massive epidemic. So that definitely takes away your libido. Um, so I would start with hormones and then really finding ways to optimize stress and to build resilience. Um, there are some adaptogens to take, but I'm a bit hesitant to just generally um, recommend any because they impact people individually um, and things like that. So I would rather have people kind of um, consult. <laughs> now I say consult with your physician or a professional, but, but really to, to measure your hormones and then kind of create a plan that works for you mm-hmm. rather than just kind of taking some general supplements um, and adaptogens. And then secondly, well, with libido, I know I, I say about this a lot, but like your relationship with yourself and reconnecting with yourself and it can sound foreign but when you start doing it and when you start cultivating that sexual energy and you start appreciating yourself and, and respecting yourself it, it it does come naturally it takes a bit of courage to kind of get there and take those first steps and it takes processing and unlearning and learning that shame that we are taught and then learning that you know our pleasure is not only for someone else. Our pleasure is for us. And then really to connect with your partner, if you have one, and, and communicate with them. Learn to know what you like sexually. Learn to know what turns you on. Because in, in that too, we're different. You know, someone is a bit more sensual or energetic and and likes words of affirmation like like that turns them on and then for someone else touches the way and then it can be a combination of different things but not one person is the same so really communicate with your partner okay like hey when you touch me like this it turns me on or it could even be like hey when you do the dishes it really turns me on, you know, like things <laughs> totally. like that. Yeah. Um, and just find your flow and start working from there. Mm. But also I think it's key to highlight that it's normal for your libido to fluctuate. Mm. It's normal to have periods when you're not uh, feeling that desire. It becomes a problem when it becomes a problem for you. Mm. I think we should also talk about how we have forgotten this cyclical way of living for women, how disconnected we are from from that, you know, and just like our monthly cycle and how insightful that is and how our sexual desire changes um, throughout our cycle. Mm-hmm. How normal that is. You know, we're not supposed to be horny 24-7. That's, that's not the goal here. <laughs> goal. <laughs> I mean, if, if you want that, then yes, but... But it really is about kind of learning about your sexuality and turning it, turning it into your strength yeah, and not your weakness and source of shame. Mm-hmm. And for everybody, it looks different. 
That's a really good point that for everybody, it looks different because we tend to, especially our current generation with social media, we see a lot of shiny things and we think, okay, we have to be this way or we should, it should be this way. It should look this way. So really knowing that if it feels good for you, that's good. You know, it doesn't have to be like other people. And I think sexuality is such a personal thing. It's so different. What turns one person on is going to be totally different from somebody else, right? It's just a very unique individual thing. Exactly. And, and right now, the um, narrative for sex that we have is very narrow. And it's, it's very penetration-oriented. Um, and, and when I say this, I have nothing against penetration. I, all I'm saying is that only 20% of women orgasm from penetration only. And then we wonder why 70% of women report faking orgasm. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's not people who are broken. Like, you're not broken. It's, it's just that our cu- culture around sex is. And oh. kind of opening that up and giving more space for pleasure. Not just for women's pleasure, but for men too. And like opening that space for experiencing different kinds of orgasms. You know, did you know that nobody knows yet how many types of female orgasms there are? Wow. And I think that's amazing. That is amazing. That is so amazing. Like your entire body is just a pleasure playground. Mm. That's a great way to think about it. The possibilities are endless. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say that, I think a lot of us are raised because we don't have that education we don't have most of our parents are not sitting us down and talking about pleasure and how we can orgasm right so a lot of us grow up watching either porn or watching movies watching television and that's how we learn about sex right Mm -hmm. because we want to learn about it it's this mysterious thing that nobody talks about but everybody you know thinks about so a lot of us are raised by that. And so that's what we understand, especially as young people. Now that we're older, I think a lot of us can see that there's a difference. Well, not all of us, but you know, most of us can, but I think it's really fascinating to think of, oh, then how, how do you talk to your kids about pleasure, about sex? Do you have anything to say about that? Um, that's a great question. And I think in many ways, the answer is that we should talk to kids about sex in an age appropriate way. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of guides, um, especially in Finland. I feel like Finland is, is one of the four (laughs) forerunners of, in, in sex ed in the world, but, but just like age appropriate guides on how to talk to kids about sex and and if, if it feels uncomfortable as a parent to talk about that, there are lots of, you know, books that you can use and use play to talk about things. Um, but also just to understand um, the impact of social media and the accessibility of porn for kids. And instead of just turning a blind eye to understand, okay, this is something we need to deal with, we need to discuss and we can do it in an, in an age-appropriate way, whether it's through play or with teenagers is to talk things through and like um, ask openly without judgment 
and without letting your own shame kind of then shame your kid. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. I think that's really helpful for a lot of people because it can be really uncomfortable, especially if you're still working through your, your stuff, right. And, mm. and your own trauma. And I think just knowing that it is really important to be aware of what your kids are exposed to and, and what they're watching, because I, I think we are impacted for the rest of our lives by what we witness as, as young kids. Right. So if we're, like you said, age appropriate, if we're exposed to something before we're ready, especially something like porn, it can really have a really big impact on, on us for a really long time, unless we're able to heal from that or work through that. Yeah. It can even be traumatic. Um, yes. And also, you know, there's a lot of discussion around porn, especially in biohacking, whether it's harmful, whether, you know, people shouldn't do it. And it's like, oh, semen retention is the new porn. Um, the way I see it is that, um, you know, porn should be seen as entertainment mm. and only as such. If if someone likes porn, um, but it's it's not really addicted to it, does it do any harm? I think the shame can do more harm than the porn itself. But porn becomes a problem when it becomes something else than entertainment, when it becomes education, when it becomes, you know, where you, <laughs> where you look for information or, you know, a lot of women um, have vulva shame mm, because of yes. porn and because they only see certain um, type of vulvas and then they think, oh, I'm faulty. Yes. And if you look at the, the rates of, of surgeries, they're, they're rising. Yeah. Um, and in all these topics, we need to ask us, ask ourselves, okay, what is a problem and, and what is just the phenomenon? Because I feel like we can, you know, we're all free to do whatever we want with our bodies. Mm -hmm. But again, does it come from love or for love? Mm. And in many ways, porn reinforces this kind of narrow script of what is sex, who is sexy, um, and what, what, who can enjoy, and what is enjoyable sex. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to change that and kind of broaden that and give people the space to explore mm -hmm. and see, okay, what do I like? What does my partner like? What, what do we want to share? What is my sexuality that I only share with myself? You know, that, that's where boundaries come in. And then what do I share with my partner or partners or however you form your um, relationship? Mm. And you mentioned semen retention, which I think is actually such a hot topic right now. But I'd love to just hear what you think about that. And, and I think some people don't even know what semen retention is. So maybe you can touch on what that is too. I mean, well, semen retention, just to put it simply, is to not ejaculate. Mm. Um, so you can orgasm, but not ejaculate. Then there's edging. But really, it is a biohack for men to then boost their testo or to boost their sex drive and, and in, in some cases, boost their performance. Um, I don't know. I'd say I'm, I'm pretty neutral about it. There's, you know, there's definitely benefits to, I think, I think I saw one study where it said um, like seven days is the ideal length or something. 
between ejaculations and then that's when your um because then your testosterone drops when you ejaculate so um seven days is the optimal um but but again it it can vary um yeah and i would say it depends it depends on the individual so what what i would say is explore and see what works for you yes i think that's a great answer i love that so much so good uh and then when we talk about biohacking what are some biohacks that are just really great for your sexuality? Ooh, there are many. Because um, the, the way I see it and how I want to kind of um, portray sexual health and, and um, talk about it, it's like it's it's just a natural part of our health. Mm. So all biohacking you do is also biohacking your sexual health. Mm. Like biohacking your sleep. That's massive for your pleasure and orgasms and, and hormone, hormone levels and, and things like that. Your nutrition is key. Blood circulation is key. Um, red light therapy. There's actually a device, um, intravaginal red light therapy. I, oh, it's amazing. There's so many, you know, femtech and sex tech innovations coming up. It's, it's incredible, you know, smart vibrators. You can track your orgasms. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, It's called the Lioness. Um, It's, I think it's brilliant. Um, You know, there are many, many biohacks, but um, I was actually talking about um, biohacking sexual health at Biohacker Summit. And the way I framed it is like, you know, we, people wish that there was a supplement they could take or a device, but, but really you are the device, you are, you are the biohack. It, it really comes down to reconnecting with yourself because you can go like, okay, I want to have multiple orgasms and I want to do semen retention and I want to do this and this and this and that. But it's like, what are you doing it for? Mm. What's the purpose of it? Who does it serve? Are you looking for external validation mm. or internal validation? Are you enjoying sex? And this is especially for men because what I often see is that men kind of perceive their sexuality through women's pleasure Uh. and their abilities as a lover. So instead of pausing for their pleasure, they then focus so much on producing the woman pleasure because then that will feed their ego. Mm -hmm. And this comes down to, again, the narrow narrative for what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. Um, and then women feel the need to please and so on. <laughs> but the, the point is, especially for biohackers, is really just to pause and reflect. Why are you doing all the biohacks that you're doing? Mm. And how are they serving you? Mm. Why are you optimizing performance? What does it give you? And then go from there. It's like, okay, what do I enjoy? Mm-hmm. What gives me pleasure? Allowing space for that. And then choosing that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, okay, stop performing, stop your job, stop doing all of this. That's, that's not the point. But the point is that as I said earlier, there's a difference between acting from love and for love. Mm. You know, you could be great. Like I love 
to work. I love to work hard, contribute, you know, um, like, like I'm doing my projects now and writing the book and the course. And like, I love to do all that stuff, but it comes, you know, that it's that kind of grind and like loving what I do mm-hmm. instead of performing for external validation um, and, and things like that, that we often do. And, and in many ways in, in the past, like many women, that was my coping mechanism to try to perform and yeah. do as much as I can and, and things like that and people pleasing. Um, and I had to unlearn all of that stuff to, f- to find my power and be like, hey, actually, this is how I want to contribute. This is how I want to work. This is what works for me. Mm. So in, in, in essence, those are the real biohacks that will get you to pleasure and to um, reconnect with yourself. And then you can add supplements and devices and yes. things like that. Yeah, those are the the icing on the cake, I think. Mm-hmm. But absolutely, I agree with you. And I love that you shared it like that because we do, especially because we we want instant gratification. We want to take the easy route. We want to just get it done. And there is no magic bullet or pill to do the inner work mm-hmm. and the inner work is what is the most transformative and it's also the most rewarding it's so incredibly rewarding to mm-hmm. really find yourself and really love yourself I mean there is nothing better than that and then I would also add that often you know I don't see a lot of talks about relationships and biohacking. It's mm-hmm. a lot of, it's a lot to do with individual performance and individual optimization, but you know, we're not islands. We're not isolated from the world. We are a community of, of people and our relationships matter. You know, loneliness is more harmful for your health than smoking. So if you, you know, if you're optimized in all possible ways, but you're not connected with your sexuality and you're not happy in your relationships, are you really optimized? Mm-hmm. And does it feel like that? And what, what does it serve? So really to also to give space for relationships mm-hmm. and also <laughs> this might sound a bit silly or funny, but you know, we can only do so much healing on our own and then we enter a relationship and we connect with someone and it always triggers our, us in some way. And I think that's amazing because those triggers are our opportunity for growth. That's like when you see, okay, this is where it hurts. This is where I reacted. This is okay. This is what I need to work on. And then when you create a safe environment within yourself and with your partner, that's an amazing opportunity for healing for, for both of you and for creating authentic intimacy. Mm-hmm. And if you go from here to intimacy, it's often something that's not spoken about, but in many ways, true intimacy is what we all crave. You know, we crave, and then in many um, sexual connection and that sexual liberation, when you integrate 
with another human being. That's the closest you are to God. That's the, that's the most empowering feeling there is when you are united and you're free. But then most of us never get there. You know, it's like we, we want to get there, but then there's layers of trauma. And you try and you try and you try and you, you work with your partner to try to get to intimacy. But you need to unfold. You need to unfold the layers to then be able to, to get to intimacy. And that can be scary. Scary. <laughs> that's scary because that's what we crave the most. But that's what we fear the most because of trauma. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, and so powerful. Relationships really are a very sacred container. Mm. And it really brings up for me to the idea of what we think we're supposed to feel when mm. we meet someone and when we're with someone. And then what actually intimacy is and feels like and looks like. And having a partner who you continue to go deeper with and deeper with through all of the triggers and all of the challenges mm -hmm. and really finding that complete, like open vulnerability, like you said, peeling the layers away. So, mm -hmm. so exactly. beautiful. So beautiful. And just intimacy, uh, it, it is so powerful. And, and I was talking, um, with a dear friend of mine, Sean Wells, and, and he actually said this to me, you know, you know, Anna, intimacy comes from into me. Oh. So it really is about being brave enough to allowing yourself to see all aspects of who you are, including your shadow and including the aspects that you're kind of staying away from and you're running away from, but then to let that other person have a glimpse. Mm. and to let that other person see and accept you as you are mm. not as the role you play but as you are at your core and that's where intimacy and sexuality um, come into play and, and that's why they are so powerful and, and so needed so beautiful Amazing. So with that, we will close up our interview. We do have three questions that we ask all of our guests on the Biohack Your Beauty podcast. Mm -hmm. So the first one is, Anna, what is your definition of beauty? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> oh. oh, I love it. My definition of beauty. <laughs> It's such a cliche, but, <laughs> but being connected with yourself and like shining bright in your own light. Mm. I think that's, that's a definition of beauty. Yeah, in many ways. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? Mm. Okay, I love this one. Um, because this comes from you from from within but really um to cultivate a loving relationship to to stand in front of the mirror and to look at your body consciously focusing on 
loving yourself. Because so often we look in the mirror and we see the things we want to change or our insecurities and we have such a negative image of ourselves. So really allow pleasure and invite pleasure in and invite celebration of our bodies, you know, to, to, cult, to cultivate that. She's like, oh, you know, you're allowed, you're allowed to enjoy yourself. You're allowed to in, enjoy your body and, and your pleasure and, and be empowered by that. Amazing. And where can people find you? Well, the easiest way to find me is through Instagram at Heal with Anna. And then from there, you can find links to websites and, and so on. Amazing. Thank you so much for this. This was absolutely incredible. Thanks for having me. Um, it was amazing to talk about these topics. And, oh, we, we need to continue sometime yes. <laughs> because I feel like we just get a glimpse and then go from I agree. here. Part two coming soon. Mm, love that. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode resonated with you, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about biohacking and the power of holistic health. I also want to share that I still have one spot open in my one-on-one coaching program. It's a three-month program where I support you in reaching your body goals, where we work together on physical and emotional healing, and really hone in on creating lifelong lifestyle changes that are in alignment with what you desire for your body, your health, and your future. You can click the link in the show notes to book a free call with me, and there you will find my other links as well. Connect with me on Instagram at Dora Vandekamp. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week.